Yeah, like if if the if you're emotionally unavailable and controlling and had major power issues, then I was like, yeah. Where other people see red flags, I saw glowing right neon signs. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery and sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know, those deep, dark secrets you probably want to go to your grave with, or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Lisa. Now, Lisa, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? My secret is uh, I am a recovering sex and love addict, and I am also an active member of the BDSM community. Oh, okay. Well, let's start with how long have you been in the SLA program? Um, Probably it's been about four years that I became aware of what the situation was for me. Was there a bottom for you? Like, did something happen that made you really look at this area of your life? Yeah, the bottom for me actually was I I was having, um, it was a friend and I was letting her know about my life and all my drama with my relationships and all this other stuff. And she pulled out this questionnaire and she asked me these questions. Was it the 40 questions? I, I had yes to 38 of those questions. Girl, me too. 38. (laughs) Uh, But I didn't know what the questions were. Oh, she didn't tell you. She just said, I want to ask you these questions. Yeah. And then she said, I'm going to a meeting somewhere today. And would you be open to going? And I went to the meeting and I was like, I don't, I'm not one of these people. These are, um, this is ridiculous. So you're one of the ones that looked around and was like, ugh, these people, I am not a part of this group. Ew. This is for nymphomaniacs and weirdos. And I'm, I'm, I'm just a free spirit. Like that's not who I am. I'm just a free spirit. I just, I'm free with my sexuality and just. Mm, Yeah. 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 I'm just comfortable with myself. I'm a feminist. Like I'm, I'm, I, I, I am empowered. I'm not those people. And by the end of the meeting, I was crying because I realized that I was way off about what I thought they were about who I was and that I was an addict. I always tell people when, cause I've been in the meeting a program a very long time, 11 years. And I always say, if you walk, if you're walking into the room, you're pretty much saying you have a problem. <laughs> like n- nobody walks in cause they want yeah. to, they're like, Hey, you know, so it's interesting. What do you remember? What made you break down and cry in that first meeting? Did somebody say something or did, was it just a feeling? There was some people sharing and I, 
like at first it was, it was just the judgmental and all that kicked in. And, but it was one of the speakers who was talking about, uh, she was reading some things and about love and about patterns and about all these things. And I just, my whole like adult relationship started flashing through my mind and my eye. And I just realized like, I am, this is, this is who I am. Like, and the reality kicked in and I just started crying because I had, I was, I, I considered myself a queen enabler and I had so many friends that were different types of addicts, but I was never one of those people. I wasn't those people. I was the enabler. I was helping them. I was their counselor, but I wasn't one of those people. <laughs> That's so funny. Usually I, I, yeah. I say everyone has an ism. They just don't want to admit yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah. I do, I, I've talked a lot about like what I did, what were my bottom, what was brought me in, what were the patterns you had to look at? Oh, well, after the reality sunk in that I created a lot of the drama that I lived in and the choices that I made, either conscious or subconscious. Like what? Um, I dated a lot of really bad men. Mm-hmm. And when I mean bad, I mean, like, I never had a type. Like, I could date a gangster from or a Wall Street guy, but they were always not good people. Like, not completely opposite of what, like, I am morally. And I, mm-hmm. I think I... I chose these people because I would get a quick high and the love and the this, and then of course it would go bad, but it would never be my fault. Yeah. You could blame you know? it on them. Cause they were of course. bad men. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this guy is a wall street thief. This guy's on, this guy's a thug. This guy's a gangster. This guy's a, this, this guy's on trial for racketeering. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> He's the mobster in trial for racketeering. I'm the good one here. Like, so I did. And it was, uh, it was the realization that I had no boundaries for, and I, I, most people now, like after recovery, once you start learning all these things, you realize, Oh, like I have a friend that I have to check in with and I have to ask her what normal things are. Like, is this normal to like have an entire relationship in like a span of a month or break up together? Like it's all, you move in, you have a fight, you, you go through all the emotions in the first month. Yeah. Yes. Yes. My friend was laughing. She's all, you know, that you did an entire three-year relationship in the span of two months, right? <laughs> and I was like, that's not normal. Like, people don't what? do that. What? What do you mean? That's not. Yeah. So, so your main uh, thing, and I just want to be clear, you dated the really bad, were they unavailable men or were they like codependent like enmeshment kind of I dated very uh dominant alpha male types kind of I guess but not real alpha males but you know like maybe the toxic masculinity type right um just uh yeah like if if the if you're emotionally unavailable and controlling and had major power issues then I was like in love let's do this (laughs) yeah where other people see red flags, I saw glowing right neon signs. Like I was like, yes. So what was that relationship? What happened that had your friend pull out those 40 questions? I think she knew a couple of them and she had been quietly like hearing and like listening and not really saying anything until finally she just kind of broke. And she was just like, oh, I'm going to tell you this because you're never going to get it. 
Um, but the, the relationship, I think the last one I was, and I was complaining about some guy who did something really horrible and um, he, um, like he pretended to be nice. And of course he's, uh, I found out that he was, there was a website where I was featured on there and there was like a way to seduce me and there was things to say. And he was writing notes on telling other men things that uh, I like and things I don't like and pictures that we shared and all kinds of stuff. Wow. I found out because another person told me about it. Uh, one of these other guys and he said this guy's trash this guy's scum but you know I'm great I'm wonderful so you should go for me now and I was just like you want like I was I was shocked and I was just like you want me to like congratulate you for being part having friends that are horrible and being horrible no No, (laughs) that was kind of like yeah, that was kind of like, it was part of like, there's like a whole sub genre of the PUA community that's not really, they're just messed up people. So tell me about that because I don't know about that. Um, so there's, oh, I can I can go on for a long time about it because I did a lot of research. Um, I even set up a fake account to try to see what that was said about me. Mm-hmm. And I found other girls and other women that they were doing this to. Um, there is like a whole sub genre. It started in the nineties of the pickup artist community. And okay. it started out with like men trying to shy men, awkward men trying to like learn about love and learn how to talk to women. And then it kind of got a little weird and corrupted and um, people just started uh, doing things that maybe were not about love as much as about control and lust. And um, yeah, that's, that's like a three hour conversation if you want a whole no, but I'm just thinking like that community, what is it? Was it like domination? Was it like acting uh, out kinky things? Like I'm trying to. Thing. It wasn't part of the BDSM community that I'm at. It was mm-hmm. actually part of just, just random men who like look for women online who are, you know, trying to like. Learn how to communicate. Yeah. But some of them, like they take it to a weird place and they want to be like F boys and they want to be like studs and. Or they just, you know, have some ego issues that they need to work out. That therapy, I guess, is not something they want to try. Okay, so let's hit the BDSM community. What is that? Okay, so, oh, I have so much to say about that one. Do um, it. So, yeah, let's, uh, oof, I feel like there's so many PSAs I could stop and say about. <laughs> but I actually started uh, in the BDSM community in the 90s when I was really young. Uh, back before the internet made it and back when it was like really taboo. Um, Actually, I I was assaulted and I had a a really, I've been assaulted a couple times, but um, I was assaulted. It was very horrible. And uh, for a long time, I was celibate and I had in my 20s and I was had issues. And I, I met somebody that was in the BDSM community that kind of we had this relationship that was very healing for me mm-hmm. because we set up boundaries and I was the one in control and in domination at the time of a much older wealthier powerful man who um like he spoiled me and pampered me and loved me but I like you know would beat him every once in a while and 
So how would you, I, that whole world is so interesting to me, but how would you like beat them? Like what? So he would come somewhere you were at and would you try? There's healthy ways of doing it. Number one, like there's, if you're like, it's not like, like if you watch like 50 shades of gray, there's, I yell, like I can't, my friends laugh at me because I'm yelling at all the toxicity and like not real BDSM stuff. Yeah. Those are not people that are in the know. Like they, you really, you have to have like entire conversations and communication and it's like a very loving, trusting relationship where there's do's and don'ts and you get to know the person and boundaries and like, you know, like you try things and everybody has a certain level. Like there's, you can be a dominant person Mm -hmm. or you can be a, you know, a sadist, which some people like, like inflicting pain on others. It brings them pleasure. That's sadistic. And then other, those type of people like masochists, masochists find pleasure in pain, right. you know, versus uh, domination and submission. It can be much more mental and not as, not so much physical. It's not a physical pain, but it's like you're in control of the other person's pleasure um, and they have to completely submit to you. Mm. So it's a very, it's, it's a power game. It's a sex power game is what it is. And that's why it's referred to as play. So how do you, I'm like trying to wrap my brain about how do you, so you're still in this community, right? Correct. Off and on. And you're with the SLAA. So how do you merge those two worlds? Well, I'm off and on uh, in, in the, because the truth is it's kind of a toxic community now. (laughs) because of the internet and all these ideas and what people have like even I can't even bring myself to watch the new Netflix people are talking about and I'm like no that's not which new Netflix there's like a Netflix movie that my friend told me about that I'm like I can't watch it and it's like 365 days basically he kidnaps her and like she falls in love with her kidnapper and all this other stuff and he's controlling her and I was like that's not that's not how that's not BDSM our (laughs) thing is totally different we have contracts, we have words, we have safe words, we, we do it to weird, like, it's very different. <laughs> it's very consensual. And I think that's what made it for me very, um, it's a safe place because you don't actually always have sex. In fact, strangely enough, the relationships that I've been in a BDSM relationship with, I've only had sex with the, with the person that I'm with, like maybe two times. Really? Yeah, it's more about control and power and about pleasure and about, um, you know, boundaries. So for me, I actually found like when I first started uh, my journey through, I was like, I'm a sex addict. I can't, I'm obviously a freak. I can't be in the BDSM community. This is wrong. Mm -hmm. This goes against all of my recovery, right? And as I've grown and become better and more self-aware of myself, I realized like, oh, I can do these things and I can still play with another adult that's consensual and it can be healthy and loving. And I, I literally just ended a relationship with somebody. Um, but how, it was long was very, how long was that relationship? We were only, it was only like four months, mm-hmm. but we, it was very, um, healthy in the sense that we had boundaries and we spoke and we didn't, there was no sex involved. It was mostly just, you know, pleasure, you know, and worship. 
And but, you, so you're usually the dominant one. So what would that relationship look like if there was no sex? Like for me, and I'm just saying like with sex, like it's, it was all about power and control, mm-hmm. like over somebody else and me having power and control over them. But I'm trying to figure out like, if you're not having sex, how do you have power and control? Like, well, what? Yeah, I'm a switch, so I'm not always the dominant one. Ooh, see, you just gave us yeah. another secret. You never said you yeah. were a switch. I'm a switch, so I'm not. I have. I find that I prefer to be submissive, oh, and even masochistic. But um, I tend to come off, and I'm better at being a dominant and sadistic. And that's kind of common with a lot of people. Like if you're more quiet and like reserved in your regular life or you're more viewed as a pushover, you tend to be in, in your kinky life, you tend to be the opposite. Interesting. I so, wonder what I would yeah. be. <laughs> and the more powerful you get, there was someone that told me a long time ago. And when I was younger, when I was super dominant and super like, I'll never be, he told me, uh, he was a very, very wealthy, older, powerful man. And he was just laughing at me. And he's like, one day when you get older, you're going to find that, you know, as you grow into your power and become more comfortable, people that are always in power, that are always in control in their life, they really enjoy giving up the control and just releasing. Surrendering. Like yes, there's a part of surrender. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, this last person, I was, I was the dominant because... Um, you know, I felt I needed to feel a little empowered at the time. And he, we just got along really well. And I, I would prefer to switch more, but he was very much like not into being switching so much. So that's so interesting. And, but I have another question, all these questions, so many questions, (laughs) but is this long-term relationships you've been in or is it one night stands or do you like, are you on a website? I'm trying to figure how do you find these people? Though they find, we find each other, you can find each other online, you can, I mean, it just kind of comes out like, well, I like this or I like that, or someone will say the terminology and the other people will be like, oh, perk up, you know, it, we find each other, like you mm-hmm. can, it's, especially now with the internet, it's even way more easier. Like, Yeah, I would think you probably it. just ty- type it in, right? And it's there? Yes, yes. So, um yeah, uh, with, with he and I, the reason we kind of broke up or... Uh, I wanted something more serious. I told him, look, uh, it's getting to the point now where I do kind of want to have sex with you. I am feeling, I want a a deeper emotional attachment. Like we had a very good conversation and he was not there. And I was like, Mm. okay. So we left it as friends and I feel very comfortable with that. It was like the most healthiest grown up breakup I've ever had in my life. I didn't feel bad about it. I felt great. Like I was just like, oh, it was nice. Like, I don't feel shame as much anymore, but for a very long time, I felt like judgmental upon myself. Like only this is stuff for weirdos and nymphomaniacs. Like I'm, yeah, this is like for people that are hedonists or freaks, people who, people who have no self-control. Like I've never cheated on anybody in my life. I've always been very faithful. I was like, I I imagined that it was the complete opposite for other people. I just was very judgmental of it. So it stands to reason I was judgmental of myself for the the love and the sex part for me too. There was a gluttony. Mm, like there was like never there was, enough. There was never enough. Like I could never, I was very, I prided, I had a lot of pride. So I, I prided myself on not being one of those quote unquote needy girls. 
Mm. But I did always deep down inside feel an emptiness inside. And because of that, I always tried to fill it with uh, love. Like I felt like if the other person loved me enough that I would be enough. Be enough. Does that, where do you think, have you done the thoughts of like where that came from? Because usually it comes from like childhood or something. Because, you know, we go back and we try to figure out where did this all start? Well, yeah, I've been doing therapy too for a long time. And um, I definitely do think it comes from uh, a lot of the messages that I've gotten from childhood uh, from my family, but also from society, like that I'm because of my weight, I'm not good enough or because Mm. of, you know, my, uh, I need to be better, taller, smarter, fat. Like I'm never in my mind, I could be the perfect person in the world and I will never be enough. Yeah. That's what I believed. Yeah. And I, we, I feel like we don't, everybody feels that way. Like I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not, you know, it's always, we're not enough in some sense. We can find it as like the addict searching for that love to be filling us. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, definitely three of those sins are, were definitely a part. And I think the shame was a big one too, because of the judgment, because I was proud. Right. And who do you think this kind of secret and secret life and world harmed and who has it benefited? Well, I definitely think it harmed and benefited me. Why? Um, I think it harmed me because I maybe I got a little gluttony. I overindulged. I, I it was easy for me to... Um, trivialize maybe some of my behaviors and my ideas and thoughts. So I went down rabbit holes that maybe were not the healthiest thing for me or my self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And what, and can then, you name any of those rabbit holes you went down? Um, there's so many. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't think of this one. No, but just that um, one, you know, you, we have those moments where you're like, I can't believe I just did that. Like, I really didn't want to do that. Or I, there's that afterthought of like, what did I just do? Did that happen? Oh, it happened several times in my dating world. And I just, yeah. Like there's so many times where I've tried to be, other people or I tried to be what I thought other people wanted or I just said yes to things that were no's you know that I knew were no's that I knew I didn't like that I knew that were wrong for me or even messed up even just abusive towards me but I allowed it to happen because I just believe that that's you know I've that's what I deserved I was disempowered right So that's where you harmed yourself. And you said it benefited you. How did it benefit you? It benefited me because in learning about my addiction, I got a completely different angle on how I can better myself and what I can work on in order to be a much more complete person. I do know now the way I think of things, the way I handle things, the way I see myself, and even how I see relationships. Even my communication is much more healthy. Um, I, I didn't, in, until I knew that I was at the bottom, I couldn't climb myself out of it. So how, this is my last question for you. And I feel like it's a doozy. So how 
do you move forward in the future? Have you figured out a way to, to mesh both these worlds with your sponsor or, you know, have you figured that out? I, I feel like with this last relation, I, I was having a conversation with my friend and I was like, I think I did figure out how I can still be part of this. I can still do this. I can still have you worship my feet or whatever and still communicate in a healthy way. Like this is what works and this isn't what I, this is what I want. This is what I don't want and be authentic to myself. I feel like the way I can keep moving forward is just do what I'm doing, which is continue to work on myself, Mm -hmm. be honest maybe not be so judgmental and shameful for the things I like. Because if, if we have a preference, we cannot change that preference. If you have a certain type of body that you like or a certain gender or a certain anything, like there's nothing wrong with that. If, 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 you, if two people or three people or five people are really loving and happy and that's okay. So I, I feel like the way I'm moving forward is to keep doing what I'm doing, which is keep working on myself, keep loving myself and being authentic to what I know, but also keeping healthy boundaries. So here's a question, like say this guy you had a four year, four month relationship with, do you think if you started a relationship with him again or someone like him, would you have the conversation? Like, are you looking for long-term commitment? Are you looking to have sex? Not just this. Like, would those be the conversations you would have now with a new partner? Yes. In fact, I even had it with him in the beginning and we both were like, well, let's see how this goes and let's see where we're at in the future. And he just wanted for his future, a different future than I wanted. Mm. And that was, that was what it was. You know, we both wanted relationships. We just wanted different types of relationships. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So that makes sense because I agree. If you clearly set out your boundaries, what you're okay with, what you're willing to give the other person, I'm all for someone saying, listen, I'm not available, but I still want to see you. And if the other person Mm -hmm. agrees to it, that's an agreement. But I just... It's so crazy to say that because, you know, SLAA doesn't always look at that as being okay. But I think it's beautiful that you are trying to live both of these truths, but in a healthy way where you're not damaging yourself or somebody else. So my last question for you before I let you go. All right. If somebody was in this world and having the same feelings that you described you were having and probably answered 38 questions out of 40, like both of us, what would be the advice you would give them? The advice I would give would be like, while this may seem like the darkest point and it may seem horrible, like this is the worst news you could get, it is actually deep down inside in the long run, the best news you can get. Because you can't move forward and grow and change and level up Mm-hmm. until you know what level you're at you know so it's it's may start off bad and horrible and it's, it's always it's not bad and be easy. horrible <laughs> it's not going to be easy like anybody who tells you it's going to be easy to like work on yourself and to try no it's they are lying to you it is hard yeah but it's worth it on the other once you start to even I know that I'm not a hundred percent on the other side but I can actually begin to see the other side and it feels amazing mm-hmm I agree. I agree because it's going to be torture. It's the worst pain in the world. I, I, 
I say this a lot. There was this one guy that came into the rooms and he said, I could get over heroin and I could not get over her. And I just, for me, that was such a God shot of it. That's how bad this addiction can be. So I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing your secret and bringing us into your world that I hadn't, didn't know anything about. And I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for letting me air out my secret shame. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you'd like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon. Thank you.